Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Another day, another 107 you invest. My name is Thomas and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking today? Good, dude. Good. I, I have to admit though, I, I don't understand. I, don't, I didn't get that. The 107? Another day, another dollar oh seven. if you invest. Ah, 7%. 7% ah. Ab- yeah, yeah. It was too clever yeah. for me. It was too clever. <laughs> well, I said one. I didn't really specify the sense, so it's probably my bad. I am drinking uh, a Ga Run Icelandic Stout. It has like this brown paper bag logo or label i wonder uh, if that's actually how you pronounce that if there's any icelanders in the audience tell us <laughs> it's, it's like garun i don't know there's like a little mark above the u there yeah i guess it's like and, some icelandic thing it's 11.5 percent and uh it's it's made by borg so nice i'm, I'm pretty Is it good yeah dude it's good I, i'm really liking the stouts now i think it's the cold weather Okay. How about you, you man? You got like that big ass glass. There. Oh, dude, the the rim on this glass is huge. Before it, I saw like the size of it in proportion to your hand, I thought it was like I thought you were just drinking like a quarter of a beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like super wide mouth glass. Yeah, it's super wide, super short, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am drinking uh, a little bit of Jameson Irish whiskey. Ooh. Along with my liter of water, so. I didn't feel like turning on the beer quite this early in the day, but that's have true. something interesting to say I'm drinking on the podcast, right? <laughs> that's right. I usually drink scotch, and my girlfriend's like, why do you always buy nothing but scotch? So You know, I, I, ne- I never got into it. I have to. What do you drink? Which one? Uh, my favorite scotch is the Macallan. Uh, I got the 12 a year. I have not had anything higher, and there's a reason for that because I don't want to get myself used to anything higher. <laughs> I think the 12 years is like 50 bucks or something like that, maybe 45 Shit. if you can get it nicely. Um, I did a little bit of purposeful downgrading. So the McCallum's amazing. I love that, but I generally buy the Black Grouse, mm. which is the cousin of the famous Grouse. It's about $25 bottle of blended. Really, really nice. Um, I like it a lot for a budget scotch. It's amazing. And I've learned something about myself. The sweetness in drinks, uh, I generally am not a huge fan of anymore. So, so, I, so I, you're I want, so you're getting older then. I'm getting older. <laughs> I want the scotch that will uh, the, the the aroma which will peel the paint off the walls and strip mm. the lining off my esophagus. 
<laughs> I just like I like I like to like let it just sit in my mouth and burn for a little while. I, I like to I like to mm. taste my alcohol. Like <laughs> so, you know, I uh, recently I was like um, I'm a big cocktail fan. I'd make like a Cosmo or a Manhattan or just like a mixed drink type thing. And I I recently got bitters. And I've been playing. Oh, oh yeah, dude! I've been playing with trying to make like the like most perfect old fashioned, and like, damn, do I love that drink? It is just. So, here's my question for you because mm. I used to make a lot of old fashions. Are you like the super traditional type, and you only use the sugar and the bitters and the whiskey with a little bit of soda water, or do you actually like put an orange peel and cherry in there too? So I haven't gone to the orange peel and cherry level yet. Um, I haven't added soda water, actually. Mm. I've gone, like, more straight. So it's – I made my own simple syrup. I have my okay. uh, Augusta, uh, uh, Ganta, whatever the bitters are, that main company. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of What are you putting it. in there for the whiskey? Uh, so I've been using Bullet. Um, nice. Nothing, nothing crazy. I'm starting, okay. you know, get the taste down and then slowly that's, – That's a good start of bourbon. Mm-hmm. I do, let's see here. I don't have simple syrup. I don't make my own. I'm too lazy. So well, I guess I do technically make my own. I just make it on a case-by-case basis. I just put the sugar in the soda water and stir it with a chopstick. <laughs> <laughs> put my bitters in, and then I use Templeton rye. Nice. But honestly, I've gotten really lazy, and I just started getting scotch and drinking it neat. Um, but I have been getting back into making cocktails. I make Moscow mules occasionally. Hmm. Those are delicious. And you know, you know what I thought? So I, I was buying the ginger beer, hmm. and I love ginger ale, so I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but I had always assumed like the ginger beer would just be like too strong to drink straight on its own. Like right. You have to mix it with the vodka and the lime. And one day I ran out of lime, and I was like, I don't really feel like drinking vodka and ginger beer straight, so I just tried to drink ginger beer. Freaking love it. Yeah? And it's, it's non-alcoholic, so I just will get that sometimes. And I usually it. like uh, the Dark and Stormy because it has the – I think it's the ginger beer in there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like ginger beer, rum. It's it's like not so hard. So it's like beerish because you got this big drink. Last okay. a while, yeah. Nice. I, I, I think we've digressed pretty uh, hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is List of Money Matters, okay? People expect at least half an hour of beer talk. <laughs> I could go on for hours. <laughs> Have you ever watched Good Eats? Dude, I love – Alton Brown is a hero of mine. <laughs> uh, my friend Ryan says that Alton Brown is a spirit animal <laughs> and the Alton Brown tour is coming to Iowa in a couple of months. What? So we might be going to it. That yeah. is awesome, dude. The, the man – he's a legend. Like he just – He is. He took cooking to another level. It's cooking for engineers. I loved it. He was talking about why it's so good to combine sweet and salty flavors. And like he has like an actual diagram of the taste receptors on your tongue and dispels the myth that there's actual like sections of your tongue that taste different flavors and it's actually all put together. So when you mix salty and sweet, you're activating more receptors and your brain likes it more. It's all this like crazy science. So it's getting me into cooking. (laughs) Uh, I actually bought a Japanese recipe book and made, I, I forget the Japanese name of it, but it was like, onions with egg and chicken and something pretty simple i didn't like the mushrooms too much but i'm actually getting into cooking again which is nice good. dude <laughs> and, and maybe maybe that it, it like leads well into what we're going to talk about finishing what you start well Go on. well because the thing is like you could get all excited right because i mean starting a new thing is very exciting you you get like That's the true. cooking book maybe you get your fancy chopsticks or like a wok you know you buy like a, a you know pound or so of rice and you just like make something crazy in your walk right yeah i guess it's and true. like you could make you could make good rice and you could do or something 
and noodles, and you can do a couple times, but like if you just stop, because you know, it's always fun to start, but you'll never get to be that awesome wok chef or whatever if you just... Yeah. Well, even at a more granular level with cooking, like I sometimes will get inspired. I'll find a recipe on like Pinterest or something because I like Pinterest um, <laughs> or like the paprika app on my phone. And then I'll go out and buy the ingredients and I'll come home and I'll be like, oh, like 45 <laughs> yeah, minutes. I'm, like, I'm already hungry. Just order Jimmy John's. And then the ingredients go rotten and never finish it. And like all that effort you put into the start of it just like paid off. Absolutely usually, zero. Usually I get all, all, we got all the ingredients to lay down on the counter and I'm, I'm staring at them. I'm like, Laura, La- Laura, come- <laughs> meatloaf. <laughs> come make this. I, I want to go check Reddit. <laughs> I, I have things to do on the internet. They're important, I swear. <laughs> I need to go refresh my stats right. for a while. So uh, you wanted mm. to do this topic. We're going to talk about finishing what you start, mm. the importance of it. And uh, I guess so. What are your what are your thoughts here? Do you have any stories I, about finishing? Yeah, what you, start? you know, um, I, you know, maybe maybe we could go on to college because I think you you happen to like talking about college things, and and I think it's okay. one of the big things where it's like I went to school, you know, I got my degree. Um, I if to be perfectly honest, I probably have used maybe five to eight percent of my degree total in the ten so years I've been working in all various things, and I'm sure most people have a similar experience. You know, it's like you learn math in high school, you learn like how to read in high school, and that was really all you need, <laughs> all the skills you needed to get a job was just like to be able to add and and say the answer. And uh, but then it's like, well, why did they hire me over some other? Like, dude, who is the same height and also, I don't know. Um, and oh. I, I think it's just because I have this degree. And what does the degree say? Yeah, maybe it means I'm, like, really smart. But it doesn't really say anything my intellect. And I don't really think that I am very smart. It does say that I start things and I finish them. And if you want someone to work for you, you know, and you give them a project, you know, they could do 5% of 100 projects, and that's awesome. And it's not like they didn't do work, but they didn't finish anything. And you need people to come in there and finish shit. That is true. So you're going to make me get really Do it, dude. Um, have you ever heard of Brian I Kaplan? I have not, but I'm going to say Kaplan. Is that the test guy? He, it's not. He's oh, not related at all to that. Because that's like Kaplan with a K. I think he's Kaplan with a C, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But he has like this uh, economics blog. He's a professor at Georgetown, maybe? I'm not exactly sure what, what university he's a professor at. But he came up with this, uh, what he calls the signaling model mm. of education. And it explores this question, which is, why do we find college degrees so useful? Is it that we're actually teaching people incredibly useful skills that they can't learn outside of the classroom and that's where they can get a job? Or is it because when you get a degree, that is a signal that you have been able to make it through a four-year or it's more like pre-selecting. program of challenging yeah. work. Yeah. Hey, like it's Your degree is you raising your hand saying, hey, look, I have proof that I can do things. I, I finished them. Um, they've given me the grade, so obviously you know that I can do things and finish them. So you don't need to guess whether or not I'm competent enough to do work for you. I've got this piece of paper mm. that shows it. So I, I guess that's, that's one of the uh, theories of why – a college education is still valuable in the working world. And it was interesting when I, when I interviewed Cal Newport, um, you know, I was asking him like, what can you do to be a successful student? And he was like, 
crush your grades. You know, maybe have like one side project after that, but just make sure you crush your grades and don't let anything get in the way of that. And it's funny coming from this bloggy, entrepreneurial startup world where they're like, man, fuck your grades. You don't just like be doing something else. And I was always, you know, a believer in that. But he's of the opinion that you should also just do as well in your classes as possible because I think he he believes in the signaling model where a lot of companies are going to look at your grades. He's, he's like focused. And look at he's your like, ability. It's, it's not that you yeah. can't do other things like you could be the best Mario Kart competitive player ever and go to school but you know as you add more things you're just going to be worse at all of them and yep so focus is a good thing yeah and 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 it ties into money and stuff as well because a lot of people I mean obviously everyone wants like results now or yesterday and you know some people have like unrealistic expectations of what they'll earn but part of it is is when you invest and the market is going up, that's the easiest time to invest. And that is when everyone's investing because the market's going up. But when it crashes, that's when you and everyone else want to give up. But that's when the actual real wealth is made is the people who yep. stay or double down on like bad news. That, that's, those are the people who get rich. And everyone's like, oh, you got lucky. Like, no, I just made a decision to go with these Vanguard funds or Betterment or whatever. And you're stuck with it. And I think that's right. Says a lot about somebody. Yeah, there's an interesting blog post. I don't know if you've ever heard of Sebastian no. Marshall. Uh, he wrote this. I think he wrote this book called like Ikigai. Uh, it's like a Japanese term. He's like this. Uh, he has a blog, SebastianMarshall.com. I want to say, but he was talking about how there's no such thing as luck. You know, every oh. every event in the world is governed by probabilities. Mm-hmm. I love this. Topic. So when you wake up every morning, what you want to do is expose yourself to high upside probability. Now, I want to make a video about this soon because I freaking love probabilities <laughs> and I'm like a beige a Bayes nerd and stuff like that. Um, but that's you know that's that applies so much to investing. Expose yourself to high upside probability. There's no guarantee that your mutual fund is going to make you that return that we've prom- promised, quote unquote, that we've said is likely. But the probability of it is high. So you're exposing yourself to high upside probability by staying steadfast when the market's crashing uh, and keeping your money in there and maybe even putting in more and going against the loss-averse psychology. And the probability says you're going to come out ahead by doing so that. So I, I was trying to find uh, – because you, you said this thing and, and it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes. And, and I'm sorry, I don't know who says this. Or, or it's not attributed, okay. but they say success is the meeting of preparation and opportunity, right? I, th- I think that uh, that quote is by every football coach ever. <laughs> well, I've never played football and I've watched very little, so. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that. We're like, the, you know, the more hard work you do, the more you're exposing yourself to what I call catalyst moments. It's like people are looking for a thing and like, yeah, you're there, but also you've been building the skill up and focusing on this thing. So when they need you, you're there and you're ready. It's only because you've been working on it for yep. years, you know, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like so much stuff I can <laughs> bring into this. We were, we were talking before we recorded about like that equal mm-hmm. odds ratio, right? Where no science, like no individual scientist who publishes an individual paper has any higher likelihood of that paper 
being a huge splash over any well, other. Well, wait, wait to reel it in. To reel so it in many. real quick, we we were talking about it in terms of like creating stuff, like you creating stuff on College right. Info Geek, or or us creating on Listen Money Matters, and like how you created this video, and and you're gonna have to remind me of the name. The video is uh, well. The video is. I think it's. I don't feel like it is a mindset. For so amateurs. so you have this video. I don't feel like it is a mindset for amateurs, and it. As of today or yesterday, or I checked recently, has like seventy eight thousand views, which is like a breakout success, right? And it was like, yeah. well, why, why, why that one? Is it just because like everyone on the internet wants to know why they suck? Which, which may be true, but right. and it was just you gotta fire many bullets, and you know, yeah. I mean, I think that particular video struck a chord, but. I wouldn't have made that video if I hadn't have said I'm going to make a video every week and then did it. And that video in particular, I know I wouldn't have made because I was sitting there. It was Thursday morning. Thursdays is when I publish videos. And I had a different idea for a video. I was going to do one on like the 80-20 rule. And I had all this research. And I was going to make all these animations. And I was like, I don't feel like doing this. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Do you think that's the most successful thing that you've released so far in terms of like – Mm, it, time will tell because I, I have a blog post the 27 things I learned sophomore year about college that one has got hundreds oh, of thousands wow. of views and so I, yeah I don't know if it's the most successful thing but it's it's definitely the most successful video I've ever made because I mean um, part of it is like you said uh, I mean you've been doing this for like three or four years so it's like that video came after you learned how to make videos you you did like you spent a lot of time doing your thing yeah yeah when it came to making regular videos it was the seventh one i made so you know and and with that one in particular it was like i didn't feel like making the more complicated videos so i set up my camera stood in front of it and said i don't feel like making this so let me talk about (laughs) the i don't feel like it mindset and just put that out there it wouldn't have happened if i had not committed to finishing when i started you know what i want to know thomas um, because you, you're you're a very successful dude, um, what like what what are these other side projects that you've started and worked on that died, or are there none? Are you really the man of razor sharp focus? No, no, no there are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how many domain names I've purchased. <laughs> I think back when like back when YOLO became a. Uh, well, you bought word. a domain name with I, YOLO in it? <laughs> I, so we were sitting in a coffee shop. My friend was like, what if you had YOLO420swag.com? Oh, my God. That's like all it. the keywords like, in like one domain name. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to put something hilarious here. I never did. And I think just the other day I went in there and I like disabled auto renew on it. I'm just going to mm. let it go because it's not going to work. And then uh, – in college, so I, I told you about my little my buffer wake up mm-hmm. system where I schedule my tweet. Well, I, I came up with that in college, and I didn't use it regularly because apparently I didn't care about having uh, good habits in college. It just it was like my nuclear option if I had to get up in time to stay for a test, <laughs> I would use it. Um, and then it came to a class where we had to build something, and I was like, what if I coded a web app that did basically this? So uh, I made something called AM Panic. It's like sitting on my personal web server. And I actually got the whole thing coded. I learned how to use cron jobs to schedule emails to go out. Like you can actually set an alarm and everything. But I never finished coding it. And I never finished debugging the code to not crash my server. (laughs) (laughs) Which 
<laughs> it was funny. It was working perfectly the night before, but and this is going to get really technical. But essentially, when you code in PHP and you're making connections to what? a database, you have to remember to close those <laughs> connections. If you don't, it leaves it open. And then when you keep trying to use your app, it makes more and more and more connections. And it's essentially like calling the same person on the phone over and over and over again. Essentially, they get bogged down. And that moment of bogging down came 30 seconds before I was supposed to go up and present my app. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, uh, it doesn't work right now, but I swear it worked before. Uh, and, I, you know, I had every intention of finishing that app after I graduated because I thought it would be cool, but it's eh, still not done. And I'm sure a billion other things are still not done. I have like four bookmarks and books back there that aren't done. So, so. um I am I, I am an unfinishing kind of person. Why as well. why did you continue doing college info geek? Because I'm sure in the beginning you're not making money like at all. I'm sure it was only a losing yeah. endeavor. And I'm sure there were many times where it sucked and you were just not having it. So why why did you stick with it? Um I think a a lot of it was loss aversion. A lot of it was I felt like, like some the, cost. the cost. Yeah, and I guess that that comes along when you think about mm. selling it, right? Because I've had offers for that before. Um, but you know, before I was making money, and when I started, I was like, "It's a blog, mm. right?" You know, and this was before I had committed to an actual publishing schedule. So I figured, you know, I'm, I'm in college. If things get really heavy, I can just tone down the frequency, mm. right? There's no need to be like, guys, I quit. I can't you know, handle this anymore. It's just, I didn't publish for two weeks. Yeah. You're just doing other things. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, when things started to pick up, I was like, Oh, I got to get hardcore about this. I'm publishing like 30 articles a month, that kind of stuff. Um, at that point, it's like, I don't want to let this die. And I can still just tone down the frequency. And if you look at my archives, I did, I got down to like five posts a month for a long time. And you know, it's never like, Oh, five posts a month is so much effort. I should just quit. You know, there's no reason to quit it. I've come this far and I'm really glad that I never quit. And I'm really glad I never sold it because, you know, I had a friend who sold his blog for like $20,000. And back when I started that, I was like, that's all. Yeah, I know. And then you get it. Then you're working and shit. And you're like, yeah, if I could could do that, you know, in college, like anyway, 20K, holy crap. That's amazing. Now, 20K wouldn't even make Mm. me bat an eye. I'll be like, yeah, you put so much more time in and the value is so much, you, you know, for exactly. me, like so, so part of it is is wanting to find that promised land that everyone talks about at the end of whatever path, right? You're building college info right. geek to what end? I guess you'll have to find out, right? And and maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the excitement of it. But also, I see all of the things in my project graveyard, and they kind of make me sad because it, those could have been like the thing or the whatever. Like I, I in college, I was working with this professor. And we had a site. It was joymonger.com. And it was a little picture of okay. like a Tasmanian devil. And it was a gift card trading website. And we had the little Tasmanian devil because it's like your grandma gives you a gift card to Bed Bath & Beyond. And it's like, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> you know, it's like you re-gift it. Wait. You don't want some lye soap? Well, <laughs> Come on, dude. You're going to smell fantastic. Laura's going to you know, be into we that. We went to Bed Bath & Beyond. We actually had difficulty finding useful things that we would actually... 
the, the store is ridiculous. <laughs> really? Like you you can't even like buy a loofah or something? Like <laughs> I don't need loofahs, dude. My my skin is so smooth. <laughs> no, but it was like you know I we did this whole thing and then. We did it before gift card trading was the thing. And then, of course, that became there were all these sites and then blah, blah, blah. You know, and how many people have heard the, oh, like, I came up with eBay. Well, I don't know. Did you build eBay? No. That sucks because exactly. you didn't. I mean, unless you subscribe to many worlds theory and you think there's like parallel universes for every potential you know, eventuality, in which case parallel Andrew is the king of <laughs> right, card trading. Right. And that sounds kind of it lame kind to of me. Lame. So I, I would rather have this Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you subscribe to that, you know, there is no branch of time where your gift card trading site was mm. the thing, you know. The thing is what you're yeah. building, you know. I, I really like what Derek Sivers said about ideas. He said they are a multiplier of execution and what is anything times zero? zero? I mean, because you've not yet exactly. done anything. Right. So your idea is just a multiplier and your execution, if you have no execution, it's still zero times whatever the idea is mm. worth. You know, you might have a killer idea and that's worth 10, but unless you put some execution into it, and if it's a great execution, it might be 10 that gets you straight up to 100. But if it's no execution, still zero, you know, and if it's crappy execution, it's still 10, it's 10%, that's way lower than, than an F. So let's put amazing execution into our idea here. Hope it's good. <laughs> and hopefully it'll be awesome. You know, I, I think some of the old projects in my graveyard, they could be, you know, they could have been amazing. They could have been a lot of fun, but I'm just glad that I stuck with one. I think, I think that's where I've landed as well is that, um, you know, you, you build so many things, and I think you wind up also building things that don't really solve a need or don't have an audience or no one really wants. And then, mm -hmm. you know, God forbid you actually stumble into something good by accident. Yeah. I, I, that is one thing to keep in, the, in mind when you are building things. Like, are you building this for you or are you building this for your intended audience? Because I think it can be very easy to fall into the trap of like, this is going to get me these results and people don't care about yeah, that. Yeah, I, th I think it's more like this was going to give me these results in eight more years. Just, just need to hold on <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. And if you, if you spend that eight years focusing on like, this is going to get the people who read this, these results, um, they are going to give you results that you did not expect, but they're going to be good. And, you know, um, you know, building building the thing, like whether like doing the list of my matters thing or college info geek or investing, they're they're like this like long game where you you really have no idea if it's gonna work out, right? Like statistically, mm -hmm. if you build a thing and it's good, I mean it's like decent and you just release constantly, you know, like it'll become something. Like if you invest, if you just put your money out there and you just keep it there and let it go, like it'll be something and it's part of it is just yeah, keep keep going. So, so what are some uh, topics in money specifically where people fail to finish that you can think of? Hmm, I think a lot of people give up on on their debt. I think uh, they get overwhelmed okay. by it. You know, uh, they're making great progress, and then there's a setback. You know, and uh, right, your car breaks down, so like you have to 
max your credit card yeah, like, on that, Yeah, like, right? one of, uh, like one of the dudes in the audience who I'm sure everyone knows, Daniel Merle. He actually uh, he got into a motorcycle accident. He was, he was like doing really well in terms of saving and, inv- and you know, getting started investing and stuff like that. And then, you know, he, he crashed his motorcycle and it's like a setback. But it also, I guess you just got to take it. You got to take the lumps with it, right? Yeah. There's this effect I read about once called like the what the hell effect. Where if if you like get off of your train of doing well, then the brain's like, oh, what the hell? I'll just screw mm-hmm. off some more. Like if you're on a diet and then you you screw up once, then you're like, well, I I skipped the gym, so I'm just gonna go order pizza, right, right. you know. And then that's how people really derail. Uh, but if you avoid that second mistake, if you let the first one, let the first setback be an anomaly, then you're gonna be right back on track with not a whole lot of lost time. So. How do you uh, how do you do that? Because it, it you make it sound oh so easy. You just you just don't <laughs> order that burrito. And I did have a burrito for lunch, so bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I had a burrito for breakfast, he, but it was a delicious breakfast burrito nice. from the coffee shop. Mm, yeah, I've been making an effort to go to the less expensive <laughs> coffee shop <laughs> because I just had to fix my car. So and ho- hopefully Daniel didn't get hurt, but he's probably gonna have to pay to fix mm. his motorcycle, and that's. A step back. Um, I think it's not easy to stay on track. I think the test of our habits and the test of our our, uh, our plans to succeed is when bad shit happens, mm. right? Like when when good things are happening. It's easy. That's not yeah. Just like just like the test of a scientific theory is is what it doesn't explain. Mm. The test of of you know your system is. What comes close to hurting it? You know, what really strains it? Can it hold up under an actual strain? Like the test of a bridge isn't how well it holds up when it's just <laughs> sitting there with nothing on it. The test of a bridge is when we try to drive eighteen wheelers over it 18, on a windy day. Eighteen wheelers. Eighteen. <laughs> I was about to say that. I was about to say eighteen, eighteen wheelers, and I was eighteen like, wheelers. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> 18 wheelers. They're all just filled with lead and collapsed stars and earth is not going to be able to hold this one. <laughs> yeah. So I think you need to externalize your plan. You need to write it down somewhere in a place where you can be reminded of it. And I like to have a system where I can actually track progress. So in the, in the case of debt, like um, ready for zero is helpful. Uh, what I did was just, I had an Excel spreadsheet with a, a like a graph. That's yeah. what it's called, right? <laughs> those liney things with the dots. Uh, so every single month when I was paying off debt, I could put it into my Excel spreadsheet. I could see the graph get closer to zero. And I was like, cool, I'm on track. The system is tracking me. It's not on my brain. I, you know, In my brain, I can let go of it, and the only person that'll ever know mm-hmm. is me. Um, for, for me personally, I had it up on my Apostle list, so it was public. I don't think everyone needs to do that, but just have like some sort of system where you can see your progress, and you can be like rationally okay, this happened, but I'm still here. I know where I am. I still have direction for where to go from the setback instead of, oh, God, the world's on fire. Right, right. You know? um, and then the other thing is plan for the pain points. Uh, I was reading The Power of Habit recently, and there's this research for people who had knee replacement mm-hmm. surgeries. And if you don't know much about knee replacements, you have to rehab it. Like immediately when you get the knee replacement, you have to be doing physical therapy and walking and keeping the tendons 
uh, and muscles flexible in there. Otherwise, they like get brittle and, and bad, and bad things happen. The only problem with this is rehab when you have a knee replacement is super duper mm, painful. Shit. Like it's excruciating pain. So um, what they had people do is they gave them these little pamphlets, and it was like instructions like, on no how to pain, rehab. no There's gain. Also- oh, nailed it. It's yeah. kind of what it is. But I have a bag of Doritos, and I'm saying no pain, some gain, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, they, so they had these pamphlets, and part of the pamphlet was just blank spaces with questions like, what are you going to do when the pain hits? So one guy was like, uh, I'm going to go walk to the bus stop to meet my wife every single day. When the pain hits, I'm just going to power through it because she's waiting for me there. Mm. And the people that wrote down the pain, like they wrote down their plans for how huh. to deal with pain were twice as likely to have full recoveries. The people who didn't were much more likely to sit back down on the couch and go, oh, God, this hurts. I'm just not because, okay, so, so here's, here's a scenario, and, and I, that was actually a great analogy, and I want to see if maybe you can like come up, come up with another one because I think uh, for me and, and probably for a lot of people is like you're, you're at work, you're doing your thing, and then it's just – the the wind is blowing in the other direction or it's just whatever and you just have this like month where it's just really effing hard to like just be doing your stuff you're just not motivated maybe you don't feel like you're clicking with your boss maybe you want like oh maybe i should get another job or it's just everything's bad it's just not working for you and yeah i think for me it's it's been partially because i'm lazy and i don't really want to go and have to do all this work with a new job and I, I think I just let it kind of work its way through and then you get to the other side and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. It was just like turbulence, like on, you know, in a flight. Right. And so like, what would you do like when you're in that moment where it's just, it's just shitty. It's just shitty. And uh, you're not really sure like if you should quit or whatever and, and how do you kind of keep yourself um like clear, keep your mind crisp, like make good decisions instead of rash. Okay. Uh, so I, I have a two post series I've been working on that kind of fits into Go your question. On. So let's talk about how half of Tom's brain, more like maybe 75% of Tom's brain is a robot <laughs> brain. <laughs> and the other half is utter chaos and right. stupidity, which works well. So the first thing is... I say, deal with your stress like Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. I don't no. know if you've seen that movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Disney movies ever. And there's a character, it's like a side character, his name's Kronk, and he's just an absolute idiot. But a lot of things go right for him because he just brushes off stress. He just acts stupid, talks to squirrels, blows up balloons, you know, all kinds of dumb stuff. And he has like this evil woman yelling at him, and he doesn't really care. Did you say much. this evil woman? So, <laughs> Yeah, she's like the antagonist of the movie. Uh, she's like this 500-year-old weird bags under her eyes lady named Yzma. She wants to take over the kingdom. So she turns the emperor into a llama. Bastard. Let me tell you about this ridiculous plot. You need to mm. watch this movie. That's your homework. <laughs> watch Emperor's New Groove with Laura See, and come back and tell me how it's your new favorite Disney we watch movie. watch it eight times. <laughs> <laughs> it has John Goodman in it. I mean, no, what see, do you want? Laura, Laura loves uh, The Little Mermaid, so any Disney movie series <laughs> that starts will always end with The Little, Little Mermaid and perhaps some singing. <laughs> <laughs> She's just in the apartment singing. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, uh, Martin, my roommate, his, his girlfriend loves Disney. So, And my girlfriend 
I wouldn't call her a Disney freak in her daily life, but take her to Disneyland and she becomes one. <laughs> and she's like super into pin trading and she wants pictures with every single character. So I know, I know the type. So, uh, so dude, so, so wait, you're, you're <laughs> telling me that, that the solution is to just fucking relax. Like just. So, so this is hmm. part one. Yes. That, that's like the whole um, stupidity thing. It's like, go so, like, just get drunk and just chill or something. don't get drunk i okay i'm gonna i'm gonna Mm. take a stand here i do not believe that you should use alcohol Mm. to solve your problems i drink because it will make me happy but i I am i'm in a good state of mind and i'm like i'm gonna have a drink because i'm you know it relaxes me it's fun it's tasty but if i'm stressed i personally Mm. will not drink because i don't want to use that as a crutch i don't want to use any habit that could be particularly potentially destructive Mm to ease pain because if there's more pain than my brain might say, you know, pain might become the trigger and alcohol True. might become the reward. And I do not want to build that habit. So alcohol is a reward for a, I'm happy and I want to be more relaxed. And it, you know, it's an addition to a good state of mind already trigger. Um, but yeah, go do something stupid because stress is cumulative, right? You know, we, we're like, uh, James Clear has an amazing, who was on by with the an illustration he wrote? He was, yeah, his his episode yeah. is amazing. I love that one. We should have him on again at some point. Um, but he, I think he had like this bucket illustration where like there's a hole in the bottom and there's a faucet mm. at the top, and it's pouring in water. It's pouring in stress, and the hole at the bottom is only you know so big in diameter and only lets out so much. So the the crunk method takes your stupid hammer and pounds a bunch more holes in the bucket <laughs> and lets you you know let off more stress. So you know, go for a walk, go play stupid Smash Brothers with your friends and make stupid levels, uh, you know, have dumb inside jokes. Uh, just go do fun things that get your mind off of it because you need your mind to be clear to process mm. stress. So that's for me when it goes over to robot mode. And because I, I, I deliberately try to reduce the stress in my, in my, uh, my life, I'm more able to deal with crises that come up. Or, or just general shitty things that come up. And instead of having the initial like uh, knee-jerk reaction to get all funky-headed about it, I'll be like, is there an algorithm that I can go through in my brain? You probably understand this because mm-hmm. you're a data dude. I see it in algorithms, right? Like, you take a stressor, you know, think about it in, like, in terms of a process. Is there anything I could do about it? Do I have direct control over it? If not, like, can I mitigate mm-hmm. it in any way? Can I... Like schedule it to put off later. Like, is there something I can do about it? And when you have a clear path, then it's a lot easier to get over it faster and not have to go to work in a giant funk for a month. Yeah, yeah, I, I've done that many times. The whole, the whole funk thing. Um, I so I just like shoved two blog posts at you <laughs> in like five minutes. So, so <laughs> I've I've accepted the pitch. I'll, I'll read them when they come out. <laughs> I, I mean i i think you're absolutely right that you need to um like let the stress go in some way and then i mean i was joking about the the drinking thing and i, I hope mm. people don't have a drinking problem as a result of something but uh you, yeah you need to like be with other people and just let decompress you know yeah and uh I'll print on Skype and start a personal <laughs> Exactly. I don't know, man. Like, honestly, doing episodes mm. with you guys was a, was a stress reliever for me. It was fun, you know? Yeah, I, I love doing like, the podcast, dude. It's, like, ridiculously fun. 
And there are people who enjoyed it and it helps. It's like uh, the best thing ever. Yeah. And I, so I don't know about you. Like, what do you feel about getting out and like walking and like going outside for stress relief? So um, I, I'm, I'm in the city and so I actually don't even own a car. Anything that I want to go to or do or get or whatever requires me to walk. And um, mm-hmm. for me, and, and I often walk with Laura, but I'm not with her probably at least half the time because I'm at work or to and from or something. And uh, walking has is like – it's been like very therapeutic for me. It's almost like when – because you're just kind of moving and your brain is wherever and – Sometimes you're walking on autopilot and just uh, – I actually, I find it very helpful. I haven't put much thought to it, but I think it's I think it's extremely healthy, not just in like the exercise sense, in like how great it is when you're in the shower and you have all these ideas. Mm-hmm. It's like amplifying the shower times like five or something. Okay. I, I – I- very different from you on the shower because I get in the shower and my only thought is get out. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> hot water. I'm just going to sleep here for a little. Oh, that's a difference because I shower in like straight oh, cold really? water. But yeah. Uh, are, are you f- I, did, I did an interview with Joel Runyon from Impossible HQ on my podcast the other day. Or I guess it was a while ago, but it just mm. published today as we're recording this. And uh, for me, it's like, the easiest way to purposely make myself uncomfortable in the morning, which makes it easier for me to go, I can be uncomfortable in other situations, including finishing projects. Because right. finishing and writing for the day sucks. But I'm like, well, I stood under cold water this morning. I'd probably do this too, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, for walking outside, whatever it is, when I, I feel in a funk, I'm just like, I can't do anything in here. I'm sitting in here. I'm like trying to force myself to do a project. Going for a twenty minute walk just fixes it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's like the the sun giving me some. You know, uh, Steve something. Jobs was notorious for always wanting to go on a walk for discussions and stuff. Everything was done like over a walk. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why like the 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 design of the Apple thing it has like all these orchards because he had orchards where he grew up and stuff, and just to, so you kind of like wander in the mid campus and just you know. Dude, can you imagine if we had like perfectly windscreened mics and amazing internet? Like we just oh my god, dude, how great would that be? And you'd just be like walking, and you'd be like, and that person. Did you see that person we just passed? They were fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I've got a GoPro strapped to my forehead so you can like see everything I'm seeing and all that. <laughs> that would be really that would cool. Be really cool. I don't know. Yeah. So. Uh... I don't know what we have. Forty two yeah, minutes I here. I think I think they had enough of Looks us. Looks like. For, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, you know we 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 kind of veered into stress relief territory, but I think that that does go back to the ability to deal with you know bad things that come up and crises and stuff like that, which often are is the reason we get hindered from finishing I, I think, projects. So so yeah and. It's very hard to be logical when your shit is effed up and you're just not feeling it or it's too hard. But, you know, to just, mm-hmm. to, you know, like the market's down, you've lost a ton of money. But, like, you really need to just take a step back. And it's like, um, you know, I'm three years into college, but it's just really hard and I can't pass Calc 2. And so I'm just going to quit, you know. And then you just have to, like, wonder, like, 
what what would you do else with your time if you weren't there? Like, what would be better? And like, are you going to regret it? And if like you want to do this whole like mm-hmm. live life with no regrets thing, which means like finishing it maybe. Yeah, I mean, in that kind of situation, you got to do a cost benefit. You know, if there really is a better benefit mm-hmm. to quitting, then maybe you should eat that sunk cost. But in most cases, I think most people who drop out, they don't do it for a beneficial mm-hmm. reason. You know, there might be there might be an actual like financial reason, but a lot of people I know drop out because they just don't just, want like, finish. done. Like that day, they just so, were done. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I got an email today from somebody who was like, "Can you teach me how to study?" You know, I, I know I'm supposed like people have told me to make timetables and like force myself to study for that hour and I don't want to. So how can I get in the mindset of, uh, you know, how can I make it so I, I get in the mindset of being passionate about studying and like wanting to do it? And I just had to tell him like, I'm sorry, but that's not how it works. You do need to set the timetable. You do need to sit down. It's going to be hard. You need grit to get through it. Like there, this whole magical passion thing doesn't exist. You know- even if it's I, I think it, really no, it's, like, it's not that it doesn't exist. You know? I think the 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 equation is in reverse. It's because like you do the thing, and then it turns out you're really good at the thing, or you're getting good results, right? And then you are passionate because it is good, and you're getting this feedback, and then like you're propelled yeah. by passion. But in the beginning, like you're slogging it out, and it sucks, mm-hmm. and you're just doing it because you're just crazy or whatever. Yeah, but, but I don't want to perpetuate the illusion that at some point you're going to get good mm. and a magical switch will flip and then it'll be amazing. True, all some the things time, you right? will not be good at. Like you me know, and f- you and I have been podcasting for mm. two years, right? Um, I've been blogging for four and a half years. It's yeah. still tough. I love it, but it's still tough to do I'm it. I'm going to say, like, we, we get on the mic and it just goes, but I, I sometimes I get anxiety. I'm like, shit, I haven't created something in how long and whatever. And yeah. Mm hmm. You know, and we want to do like research backed episodes. I'm going to have to sit down and do mm. research and actually write notes. Like, I love doing this, yeah. but it's hard. And sometimes it's easier to sit down and watch Netflix and watch Good Eats and, and fall in love with Alton <laughs> Brown than it is to open up a economics book and actually learn the topic I want to teach. So it doesn't, it's not, there's never going to be a point where it's like, boom, magic, passion, always. No, you're going to be interested. The better you get, the more interested you will likely be, but it will still be hard and you still need mm. self-discipline to push through it. And so th- the topic of this episode is finishing what you start. So I would kick myself if I did not leave people with this mm. tip. Take it as much out of your hands as possible, the actual um, motivation to put in consistent effort. Because I think that Daily or regular consistent effort on a project you're trying to finish is much better than trying to like finish it all in one weekend. You know, I went Slow to this big conference once race. where like, yes, uh, there's a guy named Josh Long who finished an entire book in a weekend because I went to this this conference that was all about finishing stuff. And he did that. And I got this idea in my head that oh, all I need to do is be like Josh and sit down for a weekend and crank my book out. And I literally I bought a ticket to Austin, Texas, 600 bucks. Flew down there again the next year with the intent of finishing a book in a weekend. I wrote like 2,000 words. <laughs> Not a book. That's insane, though. He definitely I mean, doesn't yeah, have so a wife or he, kids or possibly for – He has really? both those things, and he's amazing. He, yeah, Josh Long is a badass, um, but I didn't – you know, I didn't mm. do that. But putting write 500 words a day in Habit RPG, I have 16,000 words. 
in my book draft and it's almost done and I've written for 20 days in a row. So, and, and that's what like it's in habit RPG. I have a party that's counting on me to do all my dailies. Otherwise mm-hmm. they're going to yell at me. It's out of my hands. It's the same thing as if like, if major pain, the, the drill instructor is going to walk in my room and put a boot <laughs> on my ass. If I don't do it, I'm going to yeah. do it. Right. So take it as much out of your hands as possible. It's the same with automating your investments. If you have an automatic transaction every single month, you don't have to like garner the willpower to take the money out of your bank account and put it in your investment. It's just mm. going to happen. You know, so you're essentially letting a system finish it for you so you don't have to you don't have to um generate that motivation to do it. Back, back to your bucket analogy, you don't have to make the hole. Let the, let the tool do it. Make the hole, I guess. In in the bucket so the water comes out, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess the whole analogy was like a stress relief thing. But I guess if, if you can if you can externalize some motivation, then you release some of the stress of generating the motivation yourself. Because willpower is a limited mm-hmm. resource and you can create efficient willpower generation systems to take the burden off you, which does reduce your stress. So I guess you're right. Yeah, that can, that can poke some I would actually have another episode. I'd like to talk about the willpower because I yeah, totally okay. agree. It has limited resources and I think that could be an interesting well, I've got my uh, power of habit notes right over here, so there's definitely some stuff we can go over in there. <laughs> Writing notes on what I read is is insanely rewarding. Like, I'm just like remembering way more from this book, and I can actually talk about it on here and stuff. So, I'm gonna keep doing it. I think when we get off this podcast, I'm gonna have to do my reading for the day and get my notes written. Badass, dude. Well, tie it in a bow for us. Sure. So, hey. uh... That's our episode about finishing what you start. And if you would like to finish an email that you start to us with any questions, then uh, the starting point would be typing listenmoneymatters at gmail.com into your email compose window. And if you have any questions about money or motivation or any weird topics that you want us to riff on, email them over to that email address and Andrew will take care of those, get them answered, and we will tackle them on the show if we can. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do it. Go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash get-involved. We have all of our get-involved opportunities there, so from the easiest just subscribing to the show to potential uh, ways for you to get involved more heavily, if you want to hang out with us, you can do that over at that address and if you really want to be cool and earn our everlasting <laughs> admiration respect and love especially love from andrew uh you can review the show on itunes and there are instructions on how to do that over at that url and i'm going to read a recruit a review real quick this is a five-star review from aries 4180 personal finance for dummies and he says after finding this podcast last week i am hooked these guys have a way of explaining personal finance that anyone even me can understand after a lifetime of money ignorance i now feel prepared to tackle my finances highly recommended thank you so much aries 4180 and if you dear listener want to leave a review as well then it may be read on this podcast in my sexy sexy (laughs) voice (laughs) and if you want to get our favorite resources for managing your money and learning more about money and habits and all those cool things we have books there Um, we got resources and tools and also links that you can use to support the show easily, such as Amazon. Then go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's all we got for this episode. So thanks again for hanging out, and we will see you in the next Later, episode. Man.
tell your friends about this show. <laughs> Thank you.